Welcome to Poor Dumb Rebellion Broadcast Talks News. Man, I even butchered that beginning as well. On take two, I did just as bad. The only thing I'll ever redo for this podcast is the intro. The rest of it is raw, uncut, and unconditional love. So my schedule's a little messed up. I uh, had a podcast drop yesterday, intended for Monday, but Wednesday continues on. Recording this on a Wednesday. And today we're just going to actually cover the news as if I am a commentator of some sort. Today I am putting my invisible Tim Pool beanie on and I'm going to be reading articles. Normally I'm watching videos and reacting to that, analyzing that, unthreading them. But today... that the music must end in order for the video to begin. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Another delicious Wednesday full of uh, topical debauchery. I think the streaming has started. It doesn't seem as though it has, but I guess we're just rolling with it. Thank you for joining me on this beautiful day. I hope it's just as beautiful for you as it is for me. If not, um, uh, you know, uh, take off the sunglasses. That's a they live reference for anybody who uh, <laughs> lives in that kind of realm. Who boy. I don't even know really where to start, to be perfectly honest with you, because I know what I want to get into. I just don't know where to start. Hmm. But, uh, you know, we'll just we'll begin with this headline that was going around with uh, Obama. And the headline here reads, Obama warns activists against using the phrase defund the police. And I had seen Ilhan Omar and AOC responding uh, to that. And it says here that during an interview on Wednesday, former President Barack Obama referred to the phrase defund the police as a snappy slogan, saying, quote, you lost a big audience the minute you say it. Which makes a lot makes it a lot less likely that you're actually going to get the changes you want done, unquote. The remarks sparked pushback from the progressive wing of the Democratic Party and sparked a discussion among activists about the true meaning of the slogan. Because, uh, you know, when we talk about defund the police, you know, uh, I, I am actually of the persuasion, and we can have a full-on discussion about it, but I am of the persuasion that, you know, we should abolish the police and really restart the institution um, on the idea of peacekeeping in the communities. 
um, and rather than the uh, protection of property. But, um, you know, that, that is for a broader discussion for us to have as a nation. Um, and uh, if you uh, are unfamiliar with the history of police, uh, Behind the Police by Robert Evans, who has his guest, the rapper Propaganda, on there, dive pretty deep on the origins of police departments in America and how they operate and uh, overall their mission statement. Uh, defund the police was, you know, it's a it's a quick way of saying that we need to redistribute the uh, budget of the, the police, especially as the police continue to be militarized, given um, exuberant technology to use against uh, the people they are sworn to protect. So... Um, Obama, you know, did come out back in 2008 as like this, uh, kind of progressive hope. Um, but you know, as we've seen over time, he's been the same neoliberalist, uh, central, uh, what a centrist that he's always been. So, uh, you know, that, that is what it is for the most part. But, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, um, I think him coming out to say that, uh, really hurts the the movement itself while obama doesn't actually have to provide any real solutions i guess you can use a snappy slogan like defund the police but you know you've lost a big audience the minute you say it which makes it a lot less likely that you're actually going to get the changes you want done but if oh no oh no I can't tell if my internet went down. Mm, this podcast just gets better every every day, you know. Let's see here. Let's see if we can troubleshoot what's going on. I'm not sure it's going to load anymore. Oh man, tried to record the cast and the internet goes down. Oh boy, wonder how that's affecting the stream. I'm probably going to have to upload this separately. Oh boy. Oh man, that just uh, bummed me out pretty hard. Uh, it looks like it might be reloading. It might be reloading, so I'm going to give it a sec. Um... Barack Obama in a Snapchat interview has some advice for Dems on defund the police. Let's see if I can get some of the reactions. Yes, we have Ilhan Omar who says, We lose people in the hands of police. It's not a slogan, but a policy demand. And centering the demand for equitable investments and budgets for communities across the country gets us progress and safety. Uh, Rashida Tlaib says, Rosa Parks was vilified and attacked for her civil disobedience. She was targeted. It's hard seeing the same people who uplift her courage attack the movement for black lives that want us to prioritize health, funding of schools, and ending poverty rather than racist police systems. Uh, Cori Bush, another progressive, uh, said, With all due respect, Mr. President, let's talk about losing people. We lost Michael Brown Jr. We lost Breonna Taylor. We're losing our loved ones to police violence. It's not a slogan. It's a mandate for keeping our people alive. Defund 
the police. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez also says, what if activists aren't PR firms for politicians and their demands are because police budgets are exploding, community resources are shrinking to bankroll it, and people brought this up for ages. But it wasn't until they said defund that comfortable people started paying attention to brutality. So uh, it would be, you know, it would be fairly interesting to have Obama come out and kind of address the uh, backlash that he has received. But I, you know, I see that as highly unlikely uh, for that to happen. Uh, Perry Bacon Jr. here, who uh, in his Twitter profile says he writes about government, elections, public opinion, race and identity and Kentucky slash the South. I'm going to guess Perry Bacon Jr. is a journalist. And it says the slogan defund the police like Black Lives Matter in 2014 created a dialogue that turned some people off, even some black ones. Since all black movements are linked to the Dems, I have no doubt these slogans, particularly defund, were not helpful to Dems electorally. Oh, that's fascinating. He uh, he uh, seems to have taken the side of like the establishment Democrats by saying that... uh. Uh, you know, the progressives were a lot of reasons why uh, the Democrats lost uh, seats in the House and seats in the Senate. But here's the dealio about that, is that those Democrats that lost those seats were centrist establishment Dems who did not commit to defund the police or were really even a part of those progressive movements. They weren't progressive candidates. So if it were progressive candidates that had lost those seats, um, there would be more of an argument for that case. Um, but it's not because the candidates that lost those seats did not run on that platform. I think that's worth acknowledging. So that is where that is at. And I think it segues perfectly into this report by the AP that says police guide that calls BLM a terrorist group draws outrage. So I'm going to give this a quick read here. And it, it comes from Iowa City. A prominent law enforcement trading group is promoting a lengthy research document riddled with falsehoods and conspiracies that urges local police to treat Black Lives Matter activists as terrorists plotting a violent revolution. Totally not true. Wow. Uh, the document distributed by the International Law Enforcement Educators and Trainers Association contains misinformation and inflammatory rhetoric that could incite officers against protesters and people of color, critics said. Yeah, because, I mean, we, we, we have this thing. I can't remember the name of the guy who runs it, but we have the whole warrior cops and he went around training cops in the idea that they had to shoot first lest they not go home. Like he built the idea that cops had to be warriors in the streets rather than guardians. And you know, this is that kind of same indoctrination where you get police officers thinking in a certain way. And that's going to later affect the way that they interact with citizens when they make a stop. So, uh, it says, the article continues, it alleges Black Lives Matter and Antifa, an umbrella term for left leftist militants, are revolutionary movements whose aims are to overthrow the U.S. government and claims they are planning extreme violence. Again, not true. And if we all remember uh, vividly that the FBI said that uh, white supremacist uh, domestic terrorism is the biggest threat to this country currently. 
Uh, Philip, uh, the, the article continues, Philip Atiba Goff, a Yale University professor who is an expert on racial bias in policing, called the document dangerous, noting that the association is an important source of training materials for many small and mid-sized departments across the country. Quote, it's stunning. It's distressing in many ways. It's untethered to reality, said Goff, CEO of the Center for Policing Equity. Quote, I worry that it leads to people dying unnecessarily, unquote. The association in October sent a link to the 176-page uh, paper saying, quote, Understanding Antifa and Urban Guerrilla Warfare in an email news update to its thousands of members. The document labeled Restricted to Law Enforcement Only is one of the few publicly available materials on its website. The Associated Press learned of the document from one of the policing organization's members. The group's executive director, Harvey Hedden, defended the document, which he called one member's opinion, and opened for critique and debate. He said the association supports the exchange of ideas and strategies to improve criminal justice training, but does not endorse specific approaches even though this was on their website. Very fascinating. Hedden argued that fact-checking the paper or restricting its distribution about uh, would amount to censorship and that its publication would allow for peer review by other trainers. Oh, geez. Quote, There will always be differences of opinion on training issues, but so long as the disagreements remain professional and not personal, we do not censor these ideas, he said. I am willing to allow the trainer to evaluate the information themselves, unquote. So what it seems here is that trainers are kind of expected to either pick up the material or not. But again, this, you know, even this very rhetoric of BLM being a terrorist organization was a part of uh, Steven Crowder's Change My Mind. Like, this is very rampant in the right-wing echo chamber, so I can see exactly where the danger is coming from. And, you know, I think 70% of police, or maybe even higher, had voted for Trump. So that means that they're much more likely to already fit into this indoctrination rhetoric right here. And that is bad and leads me even further to the idea that we need to abolish the current institution of the police in its current form, because it seems to become more and more of a danger against uh, citizens and especially those of left-wing ideology but here's the thing is that that's already been kind of the deal is that the cops have already been this anti-left um, union busting uh, anti-protest kind of force whenever these kind of tensions start to come up so I can see uh, exactly why there would be outrage for this um, and I encourage everybody to go to the AP article and read the rest because uh, we're going to have to get into some more stuff. I just think it's pretty important to acknowledge there uh, that is happening. Um, and we're not really sure uh, how many uh, police departments and uh, bureaus and what have you will actually call these guys up for that training. Uh, maybe not that training specifically, but who knows you know, how that training is going to get into uh, the cops' uh, implicit bias, if they're still doing implicit bias training. So... I find that uh, disheartening, actually. Um, but to kind of do a follow-up to yesterday's uh, news of Elliot Page, um, I'm going to do one video.
today, and then we're going to get into the article of Trump and all of his problems. Trump's got several problems, and I've saved them all on my uh, Twitter feed, and um, it's a lot. It's a lot that Trump's going through, and uh, I love to see it. Um, so we're going to be talking a bit of Trump's problems and then a little bit about money, you know, a little bit of Trump's money and a little bit of everybody's money, you know. Uh, but first, let's get into probably one of the most unenlightened discussions we could have about Elliot Page with uh, Steven Crowder, who is, um, uh, yeah, I think one of his first change my minds was that there are only two genders. And I think he had really blown up off of that. So um, let's get it. It's only five minutes. So that means I'll turn it into 10. By the way, Ellen Page is now confused. Elliot Page. Yeah. Just be listen, Good just be ready that. for the attacks because as a straight white male, you are given no quarter. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, very funny to the right wing because it you know, they've been playing this whole thing that it's so hard to be a white man these days. It's so hard to be a straight white man. And there's great songs out there of just how like ridiculous that is. I think one of them was by Bo Burnham. Uh, straight white male, fucking classic slapper. And then another one was made by, like, I think a school teacher who made a wonderful uh, song that it's, that's, I think it's called Hard to Be, Hard to Be, uh, Hard to Be a Man or Hard to Be a Boy. I forgot what it was. Um, but her song was pretty great about how difficult it is to be a white man in America. Uh, the country founded on ensuring white man's uh, rights to property and you know various other rights but mainly property but uh crowder of course already hitting for that low-hanging fruit um by bringing forth that victimhood that right-wing white males have been feeling since uh i don't know since marginalized groups started to become more accepted so and we actually, this is something that's been a, a long time coming. And yeah. here at Ladder with Cutter, we actually have the exclusive yeah. of uh, the upcoming first performance of no. uh, Elliot Page. Oh, God! Elliot. And then cue the laugh. Mm. I'll, I'll be watching. <laughs> I gotta say, I gotta watch. That's just, that's the, that's great. Nobody really laughed. So they took the scene from E.T. where E.T. had uh, gotten dressed up, I think, by the, the little boy's daughter. And um, yeah, they uh, called it the Elliot Show. Again, you know, you can watch this on YouTube. It's, it's right here, the actual visual. But the thing is, is that, you know, this is very low blow, low hanging fruit. Um, I feel like J Dave Chappelle attempting to bring comedy out of the transgender community was um, a little bit more well thought out, whereas Crowder, of course, just tries to find the lowest hanging fruit and, you know, stuff it in your fucking mouth and tell you to laugh about it. And I always think it's funny, too, because I hate his show, and I've said it multiple times on this podcast, I hate his fucking show. But what is, like, the, the funniest part to me is that he literally has a crowd of yes-men around him to laugh at these things, because if there was none of that, this show would sound incredibly unfunny. Elf theme song. I, I got the uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, you just mix and that's match. That's whatever so happens. Yeah. Oh boy, that's one pussy I don't want to munch. <laughs> oh, Talk about a beaver doom. <laughs> I got the biggest eye roll from my wife when I showed her that last night because we watched the Umbrella Academy. Yeah. And she's like, "Is there ever a role that that 
formerly uh, Ellen was in that ne- she didn't look like a, a no. like a well, pouty guy anyway. No. <laughs> uh, uh, like, that's that's uh, in poor taste. Well, sorry, and it's Elliot. Silicon that's what I was this wow, Crowder says that something is in poor taste on his show. I can't tell if he's actually being sarcastic or if he's self-aware enough to know that this whole segment is in poor taste. I don't think I have anything to refute here for because so far it's just literally mongrels being mongrels. That's great. No, Crazy to me is when comedians go along with this. And I'll explain yeah. to you why this is a problem. Yeah. People go, why are you talking about the transgender? Well, first off, I think we've done a pretty fair job of covering election fraud. I think <laughs> we've been pretty consistent. And this yes. does matter. People say, why do you talk about something that doesn't affect you? Um, the breakdown of the idea of men and women affects Everybody, yes. notably children. I was like, why do you care about what Hitler's doing with the Jews if it doesn't affect you? Well, it doesn't affect me. His high-pitched voice when he does those things is... Sometimes I really think of Lance from the Surfs when he's doing his Crowder impression, and it's... it. I Yeah, it... I can't believe he's like a, a radio show host in the same vein that I am, but, you know, obviously he gets more views and clicks and stuff like that, but his high-pitched voice sometimes is like, how does anybody take him seriously when he hits that inflection? Me, but I, the Jews yeah. aren't big fans of it. What about the children who will be taught that men and uh, women and male, female are just a figment of your imagination? That's a problem. Well, and how long until we get... And how is that a problem? I am genuinely curious on how that is exactly a problem if people play the roles that they feel most comfortable to play. Uh, You know, people being themselves is a problem. And even if it means that certain people can't understand them. And I get it. You know, maybe uh, a lot of people have problems having the sex talk with their with their kids. So, you know, this might fit inside that realm for them just because it's a. well, right now it's taboo in this society pretty hard, but also just, uh, you know, trying to explain something that you don't fully understand um, might just be an uncomfortable conversation for people. And it would be nice to know what is the danger besides the danger to patriarchy. Maybe. Because that just kind of sounds like the argument of like when women wanted to work. Ah, that's kind of a danger to the men and women role. You know, sounds a little familiar. Get the European bug and and it's 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 amazing how like the right wing just like recycles all of their arguments from like just the beginning of time. <laughs> say, well, you can't say anything against these people, or it's a year in jail, like right. we reported yesterday. Yeah. Speaking of bugs, uh, this guy, I think he's very funny. I'm surprised that comedians uh, come out and support this. Yeah. Kumail Nanjiani. Nanjiani. Oh my Nanjiani. god, Kumail! I love Kumail. Kumail is a fucking king. If he even tries to rip apart Kumail Nanjiani, he's done. Kumail Nanjiani is a hundred times funnier than Crowder will ever be. And you want to know how I know that? Is that Kumail's comedy career actually worked. He didn't have to go into politics because he wasn't funny. And from um, from Silicon Valley, very funny guy, yeah. said, this sure. is an actual tweet. Oh, uh-huh. at least he admitted he's funny. I've been a fan of Elliot's for a very long time and am <laughs> excited to see him continue his fantastic work in the years to come. <sighs> hmm. Fantastic fan of Elliot, his work. 
I believe, is uh, Quarter Black Garrett. You Fat Jack. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh wait, I see what you're saying. I got skipped up. I got skipped yeah, up. Yeah, you there. did. Uh, no, apparently uh, Elliot uh, Page has just as many film credits as Caitlyn Jenner has medals. So, oh wow! Oh, this no. is if people don't out. understand the slippery slope. So like a bunch. Yeah. For crying out loud, <laughs> that you have now made every single casting director who's issued character breakdowns guilty of hate speech. Yeah. You've retroactively yeah, yeah, made much. people guilty of hate speech. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's part of like the thing is that like uh, typecasting and like casting from directing is obviously steeped in like implicit bias like they look at people and they say this person will fit the image of a role so like they do that for black characters gay characters all of these characters so essentially they are discriminatory in their essence not that saying that's okay it's debatable we could have that discussion but it's um, a lot better than, say, the days when they would just paint blackface on white actors because they didn't allow black people to be in movies to play the characters. So, um, yeah, again, I don't see the slippery slope here. I just see a bit of intolerance to um, change that we don't necessarily understand, especially with the kind of, uh, I don't know, the kind of event that happens within the, within the insides of people. Like, that isn't always represented in the external world until they actually express themselves so <laughs> so do we refer to elliot in the like past now when referring to past yeah, roles yeah. so netflix because changed the credits did they really yeah oh my gosh now that, that now so going that's the casting calls understand. an elliot page type <laughs> <laughs> so oh my gosh i love it this I don't. I like how this is the world going mad to them. Uh, uh, is that an individual decides to change their own life? And I know it happens in the public sphere, but you know a lot of these individuals face uh, this same kind of harassment on a myopic level in their own communities. Love it? No, no, you love that was this? sarcasm. Are you out of your mind? I'm gonna kill you. Are you out of your mind? What I'm is gonna, this thing with him? He's just always telling I'm me he's gonna kill you next Bill. To Bill. He's going to kill me. It's yeah. like he doesn't do show prep, so it's like I know what my. I'll say I'll kill you. Murder. I yeah, that's murder. Oh this gosh. works. That's a family-friendly activity. Yeah. Off the top of the show. You want hor too. you off your hormone blockers? No. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't refill no. the prescription. <laughs> uh, take on an empty stomach. <laughs> Small meal, small meal, or crackers. <laughs> they, they also stop brain development, by the way, those uh, hormones. Ah, yeah, those that's good. Yeah, that's, that's convenient. Almost, it's almost yeah, like, you great. know, you're unscientific. All right, now I got to look that up because that was just an unsubstantiated claim. Um, research on the long-term effects of brain development is limited. However, a small 2015 study published in Psychoneuro... Oh, wow, that's a long word that I can't say because I, uh, only have a high school degree. Um, so the, the, uh, uh, there was a study done that observed, uh, the planning and problem-solving abilities of 20 transgender youth treated with puberty blockers compared to untreated youth with gender dysphoria by using tower of okay so i have to actually click this article to read the rest no mm. oh, come on internet come on internet oh site can't be reached no internet oh my god 
My internet's actually being finicky as fuck. Oh man, site can't be reached. No internet. And yet, it says that I'm connected and I'm secured and no explanation. It played the video. It did a uh, plenty and it won't let me get into this. Um, let's see here. All right. Here, let me go check something real quick and I'll be right back. Motherfuck. Technical difficulties. Smells like weed. Oh boy, what am I going to do about internet situation? Oh boy, yep, it says it's down, and yet my roommates are able to watch Netflix. Um, very interesting. Very interesting indeed. So maybe... I'm going to try just looking it up on my phone just to keep it moving. Um, do hormone lockers affect brain development. All right. Uh, medical uses, administration, research. Um, it says here that research on the long-term effects on brain development is limited. However, a small 2015 study published in a long word observed the planning and problem-solving abilities of 20 transgender youth treated with puberty blockers compared to untreated youth with gender dysphoria by using the Tower of London test and found that there were no significant differences in their reaction times and accuracy so uh fascinating enough is that uh crowder's homeboy on the side made a completely unsubstantiated claim so that is where we're at currently with that fuck dude my internet is like full on down <laughs> i guess we're uh i get i think we can finish this yeah, when you the, don't yeah, understand down. <laughs> it. the indulgent system yeah. that neurology what? that when you actually look at yeah yeah i am no it's down yeah that one's well i mean i can record without the internet and this is still going to be on the podcast 
But um, that video is loaded, so I can finish this segment. But yeah, the internet is down. It looks like it's rebooting. You see the light? Yeah, it's rebooting on its own. Um, I'm probably... Thankfully, I just have to read some articles, and I can just do that on my phone. Otherwise, this whole thing would be fucked. But, uh... Huh? I don't know. It just went down. Like, midway through, I went to go do some research real quick, and then it went down. Hold on, let me see if it's back up on this. Nope. So, I don't know. I'd give it, like, ten minutes. What are you watching? Was it good? Oh, yeah, that's the one you wanted me to watch, right? All right. Well, we'll pizza and horror story later. Should only be, like, an hour. Hopefully. The internet going down kind of fucks up my plans. But, uh, yeah. Rumi came in again. That's that's uh, the second podcast in a row. But that's fine. Because that's what we do in this house. Neurotransmitters and hormones are very similar and yeah. interact at a very important level. Just yeah. look at thyroid, look at testosterone, look at how that affects dopamine, serotonin. It's almost as though these things actually matter. But I know, I know, the science isn't in. That's you'll, true. You'll, you'll walk the wide perimeter, six feet, mind you, at Whole Foods to avoid BPA. <laughs> in I like how he says that, like, this exists, and then he says the science isn't there yet. Almost as if there's no proof for what he is claiming. Anything uh, regarding plastic yes, or any kind of yeah. container, because you don't want something mimicking estrogen in the body. When injected directly into your ass cheek, however, for a six-year-old, well, you know, we're a little murky on the science. <laughs> I understand. Those aren't really the same kind of issues, and then we do have a lot more information than Crowder is leading us to believe, but of course, the right-wing echo chamber is extremely anti-transgender, so, you know, nobody's going to question anything or think critically when it comes to what he's saying, especially in the comments. I understand that. <laughs> you have to have a conversation with your kid now about this. Yeah, yeah. Right. they have the right to demand this. By the way. By the way, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sweetheart. Your mom was guilty of hate speech. I, you know, yeah. I uh, that I, I will say. Looking back, you're gonna have people now too retroactively reviewing films. Looking yeah. back, the remake of Flatliners didn't make me want to swallow a knife. <laughs> I didn't find it disrespectful <laughs> to the art of cinema because of the beautiful and brave Elliot. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> <Elliot>. <laughs> the fact that this is the only show. The fact that this is the only show where my immediately oh, went yeah. to E.T. dressed right. as a transgender alien that, saying Elliot. I'm like, and I didn't see it anywhere. <laughs> it's the only show that could think about it and do it. So, All right. They're very proud of themselves for continuing to punch down. Um, so shouts out to Crowder for that. A uh, little boost of love. I said sarcastically into the void. So the Internet's back. Um, I hope you're enjoying this podcast because it's full of uh, not having shit together. But before the internet goes down, let's uh, get into the next wonderful uh, piece of this. You, you, you feel me, dog? Um, and the streaming is just going terribly. Like, it just, because of the internet, it keeps, like, recreating streams on Twitch. So there's going to be probably, like, 10 or 15 videos. And I'll have to just upload this one separately onto YouTube. But getting into it, um, the title of the episode is Trump has many problems. Problems like we've never seen before. Never seen. 
Never seen anything like this before. And we're going to begin with uh, William Barr here. It says, uh, the Associated Press, before the election, Barr had repeatedly raised the notion that mail-in voting could be especially vulnerable to fraud during the coronavirus pandemic. Barr told the AP Tuesday that the Justice Department has not uncovered evidence of widespread fraud. And I just wanted to read the headline. I'm not going to get too much into this because I find it very fascinating that uh, Trump feels betrayed by this, uh, mainly because... Um, I would believe that William Barr would want to keep his job within the administration in order to do the things that he's been doing, which is expanding the unitary executive power, um, and also the reach of the, de the, the Department of Justice and even the role of the Department of Justice, because his role specifically was to protect the president in a lot of ways. So I find it very interesting that Barr... Uh, sidestep the bus that Trump has been throwing people under continuously in the name of loyalty to Trump and has decided to not, uh, uh, I don't, there's no investigation. He must have uh, just not seen any actual proof to um, begin an investigation. But the interesting thing here is that the Justice Department, reported by NPR, is investigating possible bribery for pardon scheme. So while they are not investigating voter fraud or any of the election irregularities, we have this, and I am actually going to read this article. And it reads, The Justice Department is investigating a possible secret scheme involving a bribe in exchange for a presidential pardon, according to court documents unsealed Tuesday. The 18-page court opinion is heavily redacted, and the names of the individuals under investigation are blacked out, as is the identity of the person to be pardoned under the alleged plan. Still, the, fi the filings provide a glimpse into what investigators are probing. The federal court order signed by Chief Judge Beryl Howell in Washington, D.C. is dated August 28th. It stems from her review of a government request to access certain communications believed to document a secret lobbying scheme and a related bribery for pardon scheme. The filing says a gov government filter team was sorting through more than 50 digital devices such as iPhones and laptops as part of an investigation when they came across emails pointing to the two alleged schemes. The secret lobbying scheme, the document says, allegedly involved two individuals whose names are redacted who lobbied senior White House officials to try to secure clemency for a third individual whose name is blacked out. So we have a bit of mystery there. But the related bribery conspiracy allegedly involved the offer of a quote substantial political contribution in exchange for a presidential pardon or reprieve of sentence for an individual whose identity is redacted news of the investigation was first reported by cnn a justice department official speaking on the condition of anonymity said quote no government official was or is currently a subject or target of the investigation disclosed in this filing very fascinating um i feel the president is still of 
government officiality. So um, I don't know if they're, you know, just trying to save face or what, but uh, I can only assume too that the person who may need the pardoning, pardoning is not of government officiality as well. So interesting, but the president is, um, and I feel like his pardon uh, is what they're seeking because he's the only one who can serve it. Uh, the fight over the communications revolved around whether the emails were covered by attorney-client privilege, which should shield them from the government. Chief Judge Howell ultimately found that the emails were not privileged materials because each of the emails in question was sent to an individual who is not a lawyer. Quote, the attorney-client privilege applies only when the participants in the communication are the client and the client's attorney, who is a member of the bar, Howell wrote. The decision means prosecutors can use the materials to confront the subjects of the investigation. In a, in a tweet Tuesday evening, President Trump called the investigation fake news. And that's really all he needs to do for his supporters anyways. Um, that's all he's really ever needed to do in order to build the distrust between his supporters and any kind of critical journalism. I find this very interesting. Um, and another reason why I find it interesting is because another story had come out here posted by the Huffing Huffington Post, or some might call the Huff Post. as it loads. I hope the internet doesn't go down again. But it loads, and it loads, and it loads. And I loathe the load. So let's see if I can just go on my phone and make life easier on myself. All right. So I'm just going to close it because it is working on my phone. But uh, you can look up the article on Huffington Post. It says Trump reportedly considering pardons for three of his children and Rudy Giuliani. The pardons could benefit Donald Trump Jr., Eric Trump, and Ivanka Trump, as well as son-in-law Jared Kushner. Now, the article reads... President Donald Trump has discussed pardoning three of his children and his personal attorney Rudy Giuliani before he leaves office and before any of them have been charged with potential crimes, according to several reports on Tuesday evening. ABC News and The New York Times both reported that Trump has discussed the preemptive pardons with advisors, expressing fear that his successor, President-elect Joe Biden, would unjustly target them when he assumes office in January. The pardons could benefit Donald Trump Jr., Eric Trump, and Ivanka Trump, as well as Ivanka's husband, Jared Kushner. Ivanka Trump and Kushner have also served as White House advisors in the Trump administration. So to me, this seems to be like preemptive as though uh, crimes could be uncovered, as though we are not fully aware of the full extent of maybe uh, the Trump uh, corporation who I believe is run by Don Jr. and Eric um, may have benefited from the uh, president being in office. And we also are not 100% sure how Ivanka and Jared may or may not have benefited, benefited from 
uh, the president. So the article continues. Trump has begun to issue pardons and has granted clemency to former aides and longtime supporters. Last month, he pardoned former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, who twice pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI about his contacts with a Russian official during the transition before Trump took office in 2017. And I think that's important because William Barr was in the perfect position to redact um, heavily the, the Mueller report, which I wonder if we're actually going to get a full unredacted version once uh, President-elect Joe Biden becomes full-on president. And maybe that is what Trump is uh, also anticipating. None of the five has been charged with a crime, and it's unclear what improper... I am really dumb. Impropriety, a pardon would seek to guard against. Presidential pardons provide protections against federal crimes, but they do not protect against state or local ones. Pardons are traditionally sought by applications to a federal pardon attorney at least five years after a conviction or release from prison. Trump's older children have run afoul of federal investigators multiple times during his tenure in the White House. Donald Trump Jr. faced scrutiny over his contacts with Russian officials during the 2016 campaign as part of special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation, although he was not charged. Kushner also drew attention when he omitted foreign contacts from his application for White House security clearances. Intelligence officials raised concerns about granting Kushner with the access, but Trump intervened to unilaterally grant the top-secret clearance. Giuliani, one of Trump's most vocal surrogates and a key figure behind the discredited attempt to undercut the re results of the 2020 election, has reportedly asked the White House directly for a pardon in advance of any criminal charges. Uh, Giuliani tweeted that the claim published by the Times was hashtag fake news. Some of Trump's allies have been pushing the president to issue the pardons before he leaves office. Fox News host Sean Hannity said Monday that Trump, quote, needs to pardon his whole family and himself as he goes out the door. I assume that the power of the pardon is absolute and that he should be able to pardon anybody that he wants to, the conservative commentator said on his radio show. Adding to the turmoil surrounding the president's final days, court filings revealed Tuesday that the Justice Department has spent months investigating a bribery for pardon scheme. The documents did not name any specific individuals or provide dates of the alleged actions, but they appeared to point to an active investigation that could soon lead to charges. So what we're really seeing here, and I think may or may not actually be happening, but the walls could be closing in on Trump. Um, reported just before the election, Trump was $1.1 billion in debt. We still have the question of whether or not he will be charged for obstruction of justice when it comes to firing James Comey and also, um, oh man, I can't remember all of these. Roger, no. He, uh, he fired Comey, but then there was a... a, a not a there was a special counsel Robert Mueller but there was also one more guy just below Robert Mueller who he was hoping would try to stifle the investigation and he refused and later stepped down um and a lot of it just you know the debt 
the possible pardons, still the idea of uh, the election conspiracy with foreign officials. A lot of this still seems to kind of be bubbling up beneath Trump's feet in a way that um, make it might make it possible for him to face uh, certain consequences. And I just find it interesting because he ran on this campaign of drain the swamp, which we, you know, a lot of us knew is full of shit because businessmen are opportunists, especially when given power. And it seems that rather than draining the swamp, um, Trump just became Shrek and uh, decided to own the swamp. But he has lost the election and does not have the evidence to um, substantiate an overturn of the election results. Um, and so that's why I want to move into this next article. Yeah, my internet's down again. This is bad. All right, so I have to do it through the phone again. But you can see it on YouTube that I had it set up, ready to go. Um, so I'll just scroll down here. So the root reports why does a self-proclaimed billionaire keep begging for donations this continues on um trump seems to have significant problems that he's not making aware to his supporters or really to the external world but it is leaking out into the public zeitgeist and it reads here president trump is becoming the pt barnum of his day and the crazy conspiracy theories and racist rants he pushes to his legions of sycophants is his circus somehow some way trump has convinced his followers that his campaign needs donations to fight to pay for appeals in states where he and everyone around him continue to claim voter fraud despite any evidence of voter fraud there is no voter fraud, but that hasn't stopped Trump from claiming it and creating a fight with shadows that don't exist. And you know what he needs to win the fight against the air? Money. Always money. The self-proclaimed billionaire has no coins. To hear Trump tell it, the election is being stolen from him, from us, and the only way to stop the thieves is with cash. So there have been countless emails sent out to his supporters. I know because someone signed me up to his email list as a burn, and it's turned out to be a great resource for a reported quote-unquote election defense fund in an election that has shown no voter fraud. But the whole thing is bullshit. From the New York Times, in reality, the fine print shows that the first 75% of every contribution currently goes to a new political action committee that Mr. Trump set up in mid-November, Save America, which can be used to fund his political activities going forward, including staff and travel. The other 25% of each donation is directed to the Republican National Committee. Um, so I just want to pause here from the New York Times is that that makes it significant why a lot of Republicans are still on the side of Trump and fighting for this because they also benefit from these donations. And the New York Times here, this quote continues saying, a donor has to give $5,000 to Mr. Trump's new PAC before any funds go to his recount account. Wow. 
Still, the Trump campaign continues to urgently ask for cash. On Monday, Mr. Trump signed a campaign email that breathlessly told supporters that the end of November, nearly four weeks after Election Day, represented, quote, our most important deadline ever, unquote. The Root continues saying, in less than four weeks, Trump has raised $170 million, and this is coming from a man who lost an election. That number is so large that it rivaled Trump's highest donations at the peak of his campaign, and it turns out that a good portion of the money has been spent paying off old campaign debt, and the remaining money will be spent on his bullshit life after he's evicted from the White House. Um, every time I've used bullshit in this segment is actually written in the article this is i, I like the root so far because <laughs> it's a little bit pg-13 <laughs> so the article continues and because the campaign is shysty af there is a pre-checked box for continuing contributions taken straight from donors accounts monthly and i say good for them Anyone who donates to this heartless roadside performer deserves everything that comes with it. Rob Flaherty? Sorry if I said it wrong. Flaherty? Flaherty? Rob Flaherty, who served as president-elect Joe Biden's digital director, took to Twitter to call Trump's solicitation of donations a, quote, plain and simple grift, unquote. But when has Trump ever let name-calling stand in the way of stealing money? <laughs> that comes from the senior editor at The Root, and uh, I liked that article. Um, I do find it pretty ridiculous that he is um, taking his supporters for a ride. And I thought it was ridiculous because the day after he lost the election, he sent that out asking all of his uh, supporters to at least donate $5, which, you know, it, it is one of the biggest grifts of all time to, for them to pay, uh, money and apparently $170 million just for Trump to, uh, still lose this election. And I mean, that really is a testament to his ability to create that cult of personality, his, uh, media outreach, his ability to, um, kind of pull the veil of illusions over the eyes of people who really um, just want what's best for their families. And I find it pretty unfortunate. And in that same vein, we have this uh, little piece of a manifesto that was tweeted by General Michael Flynn, who was pardoned by Trump last month. Um, asking Trump to uh, declare martial law. So, again, because my internet's down, I have to do it on my phone. But it reads, When the legislators, courts, and or Congress fail to do their duty under the 12th Amendment, you must be ready, Mr. President, to immediately declare a limited form of martial law and temporarily suspend the Constitution and civilian control of these federal elections for the sole purpose of having the military oversee a national re-vote. Michael Flynn is asking, no, no, not asking, he's recommending to the president in front of literally everybody that he uh, 
sideline democracy in order for Trump to maintain power. Because who knows, in a circumstance like that, if Trump were to uh, enact martial law, what kind of reaction to that action there would be. Um, I'll, I'll read the rest of it here, the rest that we have. A vote that assures a fair election in every jurisdiction and reflects the true will of the people. Federal candidates only. Paper ballots. No computers. Hand counted with both parties watching every vote. Only registered voters. Voter ID to prove residence. Conducted safely with everyone wearing masks and six feet apart, just like we did in Ohio. And I can't believe Michael Flynn would really be w willing to put us through uh, November 3rd all over again. In fact, November 3rd through the 6th all over again. Um, and that, to me, just shows how much of a disregard for public safety General Michael Flynn feels um, in the name of political power. Uh, it's it's seriously unfortunate, and I'm glad that, that hopefully that is the last that we will hear of it, because it is incredibly irresponsible to ask the president to um, enact um, martial law. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's it's incredibly irresponsible, especially with uh, the Department of Justice, Trump's Department of Justice, saying there is no evidence for widespread voter fraud. So Trump will not be president. And what we're going to see in the next, well, this is December. So in the next, this month and the next, we're going to see what he's going to do with his pardon and how he will continue to grift his supporters in the idea that the election was stolen from everyone. And that's why they need to donate money to his uh, court appeals, to his legal team. And I really, really cannot think of a more uh, selfish... Uh, greedy act than all of this but it does continue because another interesting thing about President Trump here was a tweet and we have this coming from the Washington AP again and it says President Donald Trump is threatening to veto a defense policy bill unless it ends protections for internet companies that shield them from being held liable for material posted by their users. And here's the thing, is that the defense bill has absolutely nothing to do with internet companies. It all has to do with uh, Trump being flagged for his election misinformation that he spreads on Twitter and Facebook and literally everything. Literally everything the president is on. Um, so... The article continues, on Twitter Tuesday night, Trump took aim at Section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act, which protects companies that can host trillions of messages from being sued into oblivion by anyone who feels wronged by something someone else has posted, whether their complaint is legitimate or not. And to me, this whole repeal of Section 230 is so that anybody who, you know, is... Uh, whose tweet is marked for misinformation or if they are, remo are removed from Twitter or if a tweet is removed, um, you know, any of that kind of thing is removed from social media that the, the, the poster or the user can then sue the social media platform. And that kind of just sets a 
dangerous precedent to that that will uh, allow misinformation to thrive on uh, social media. When in reality, um, they have places that they can go, like 8Kun, but it just doesn't have as wide of a reach as Twitter, and so that's why they want to be able to hold them accountable. Uh, So-called accountable. Trump called Section 230, quote, a serious threat to our national security and, and election integrity, adding, therefore, if the very dangerous and unfair Section 230 is not completely terminated as part of the National Defense Authorization Act, I will be forced to unequivocally veto the bill. Um, which, you know, I wonder if, you know, if he does, Joe Biden just gets an office and, and passes it. Um, in October, he signed, uh, it says Trump has been waging war against social media companies for months, claiming they are biased against conservative voices, which, you know, conservative pundits and news commentators have been doing as well. In October, he signed an executive order directing executive branch agencies to ask independent rulemaking agencies, including the Federal Communications Commission and the Federal Trade Commission to study whether they can place new regulations on the companies. Since losing the presidential election, Trump has flooded social media with unsubstantiated claims of voter fraud. Twitter has tagged many such Trump tweets with the advisory, quote, this claim about election fraud is disputed, unquote. Tuesday's veto threat is another potential roadblock for the passage of the annual defense policy measure, which is already being held up in Congress by a spat over military bases named for Confederate officers. The measure, which has passed for 59 years in a row on a bipartisan basis, guides Pentagon policy and cements decisions about troop levels, new weapon systems, and military readiness, military personnel policy, and other military goals. So, the one thing that I really have to say about this is that Trump alleged here um, that uh, Section 230 is a serious threat to our national security and election integrity. Although um, him blocking the NAA, uh, the NDAA bill is more of a national security because it all depends on the policies and uh, funding for the Pentagon, which, you know, I'm not a huge fan of. I'm not a huge fan of American imperialism, but um, it is uh, the, the national defense that is uh, on the line in this in this regards which you know we can have a debate about <laughs> about that whole thing but that would take a, a whole nother podcast um but him blocking this the passing of this act to me is much more of a security threat than section 230 which so far uh only i guess punishes conservatives but at the same time uh, just a couple months ago, Facebook went on a complete leftist ban. Like they were banning leftist accounts left and right, including it's going down. Um, so, uh, and then he also said it's a serious threat to election integrity, even though he's been spreading fake information and misinformation on his Twitter, uh, harming the integrity of our elections. And all the commentators and pundits and Republican tweeters like Ted Cruz have all been perpetuating the same rhetoric and narrative, which harms the integrity of our elections. So it's very fascinating that every time Trump has a reason for his actions, it's he says it's because he's fighting what he's actually doing, which is causing harm. So... I just, it's just great. It's just so great that he would block 
uh, national defense funds in order to uh, spread misinformation on Twitter completely unabashed. Um, and so I guess that leaves us to the very last article that I had, and I'll scroll up on my Twitter, even though my internet isn't working, to look at it specifically. There's the headline, and then I'm going to click on it here. It comes from commondreams.org. Now my phone's loading slowly. This is probably the most well-put-together podcast in the history of podcasts. The headline reads, Critics smell economic sabotage as McConnell unveils COVID plan with $0 for unemployment boost and direct payments. The article reads, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell on Tuesday began circulating a coronavirus relief proposal whose contents offer so little assistance to the tens of millions of jobless, hungry, and eviction-prone Americans that critics warn the Kentucky Republican is actively working to ensure the U.S. economy remains mired in deep recession as, Bi as the Biden administration takes charge next month. And we have to acknowledge that this is the same Mitch McConnell who broke Congress just as millions of Americans were starving over Thanksgiving. Uh, the article continues, described as a targeted relief proposal, McConnell's plan is heavily geared toward providing corporations with immunity from coronavirus-related lawsuits. The offer includes a liability shield that public citizens Remington Gregg described as breathtakingly broad. The Kentucky Republicans' plan also contains a 100% tax reduction tax deduction for business meals wow so i i mean i wonder how many ceos would write off their uh you know their uh lunch meetings with that uh quote as the covid crisis only grows more deadly this disgraceful proposal puts the lives of everyday americans at even greater risk unquote that came from winona hotter of food and water action Meanwhile, McConnell's proposed relief measure does not include a boost to federal unemployment insurance, instead calling for a mere one-month extension of existing programs and stricter requirements for applicants in the name of preventing fraud. God damn. They're so concerned about poor people having too much money, and yet they'll give a 100% meal tax deduction uh, to corporations. It's Wow. The Republicans' proposal also omits another round of direct stimulus payments and aid to cash-strapped state and local governments. Literally, like, I cannot think of a more um, concerted, contrived attack against uh, communities. Honestly, this is... This is uh, McConnell literally only wants to help corporations and in doing so is willing to throw communities entirely to the wayside. Uh, quote, leave it to Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump to propose a bill that creates tax write-offs for fancy lunches and gives the middle finger to working families and 20 million unemployed Americans, said Representative Don Beyer of Virginia. Quote, this is not a serious proposal. It is a slap in the face to people who need help. Unquote. And I cannot agree anymore. The fascinating thing is, is that I did not read this beforehand. Uh, all of these I just kind of saved up to do uh, live readings here. Um, I knew that these were 
pretty big news, especially since I haven't actually been covering the headline stuff. And so I wanted to do that today and I just kind of saved as much as I can. And so the article continues completely unexpectedly because I have not read this before, believe me or not. In the months ahead of the November election and in the weeks since, analysts have cautioned that if Mick if McConnell maintains his stranglehold on the Senate, the Kentucky Republican could attempt to impose devastating economic austerity with the goal of undermining Biden's presidency and gaining GOP seats in 2022 and beyond. McConnell's new relief proposal only bolstered those concerns. Quote, McConnell is making it pretty clear that if Dems don't win the Georgia Senate races, he will cripple the American economy hoping it will let the GOP win the midterm, tweeted journalist John Walker. Huffington Post's Zach Carter offered a similar assessment, saying, The core terms here are a one-month extension for expiring unemployment benefits and $330 billion for PPP, and I think that's the Payment Protection Program, which is uh, the program that businesses sign up for in order to uh, get a loan, unless they report where that money went, and it's not a loan, it's just free money. Given the scope of the crisis, it's hard to interpret as anything other than economic sabotage. Winona Hotter, executive director of Food and Water Action, said in a statement that McConnell's latest coronavirus relief offer is nothing but a cruel joke. Quote, unquote. Once again, Mitch McConnell shows that he is more interested in protecting corporations that have put workers' lives at risk than he is protecting Americans who have lost their water service, said Hotter. Quote, as the COVID crisis only grows more deadly, this disgraceful proposal puts the lives of everyday Americans at even greater risk. Unquote. Whether or not you can pay rent or feed your family should not depend on whether or not Mitch McConnell, McConnell sees it as his political interest. That came from Senator Ron Wyden. The article continues, locked in a standstill for months amid repeated, uh, geez, I, I, I apologize. I, I, I can kind of feel myself faltering. Um, this is going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast, but I hope, you know, still you can see the through lines here of just how exactly selfish the GOP is, especially since they're willing to commit this economic sabotage while also at the same time allowing Trump to grift uh, millions of dollars off of GOP supporters in order to fund the RNC and also fund Trump. But back to the article I was reading poorly. Locked in a standstill for months amid rapidly deteriorating economic conditions and a surging pandemic, coronavirus relief negotiations received something of a push Tuesday when a bipartisan, bicameral group of lawmakers outlined a $908 billion stimulus plan that includes a $300 per week federal boost to unemployment benefits and a more limited corporate liability shield than the one McConnell is pushing. Ahead of the introduction of the bipartisan proposal, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer on Monday sent a relief offer of their own to McConnell, but declined to provide specifics, which of course is probably a bit more centrist. Quote, I'm not going to get into details, Schumer said. It was a private proposal to help us move the ball forward. <laughs> and so if it's a private proposal, 
Uh, I'm going to assume that it was not very favorable to Americans. That's why you wouldn't have it publicly. Um, but of course, Mitch McConnell is going to sit on it until he actually moves forward with whatever his interests are. But the article continues. With an estimated 12 million Americans set to lose unemployment benefits on the day after Christmas without action from Congress. Wow. A group of five senators, including uh, Senator Sherrod Brown, Ron Wyden, and Schumer, introduced legislation that would retroactively extend the lapsed $600 per week federal boost to unemployment insurance through October 21st, or 2021. Quote, With the economy backsliding as COVID-19 cases explode nationwide, Senate Republicans are set to push millions of American families off a cliff. Wyden warned in a statement, whether or not you can pay rent or feed your family should not depend on whether or not Mitch McConnell sees it in his political interest. <sighs> and that was today's episode. Was the unfortunate low-hanging fruit from Steven Crowder. The unfortunate uh, backstab to progressivism with Obama saying that the progressives use snappy slogans that misinform people. And that uh, police guide calls BLM a terrorist organization. On top of all of that nonsense, we have the GOP doing everything they can to ensure that business interest is upheld over the interests of everyone. When I mean everyone, I mean people who work for businesses, people who don't work for businesses, and people who just want to live their lives in the name of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So I hope... Uh, when Joe Biden gets into office, we can find uh, something that will help the maximum amount of people. But if that doesn't come to fruition, then we do need to hold his feet to the fire because that is exactly why we voted Trump out and Biden in. But we do expect uh, Biden to be that centrist to try and bring Republicans to the table um, because the Republicans do hold a substantial amount of political power. But if we can begin to move the progressive agenda forward, which, you know, in my personal opinion, is the agenda that is pro-worker, uh, pro-American communities, um, I think that we can really make uh, positive change in this country. But we have to do it by continually fighting and continually staying informed in order to power that fight. So uh, do with what you will on that. Hit me in the comment section. Uh, find me on Twitter at as a wave a z a w a v. Uh, the streaming on Twitch is Talk Streaming. The news on uh, the channel on YouTube is Talks News, and uh, I think I did my plugs. Those those were the plugs, and uh, the only thing I got left to say is you know the only you know uh, power the fight. You know, uh, fight the power by power. Uh, no. That was, this is the this is a horrible ending. Uh, empower the fight by fighting the power is what I'm gonna go with. Um, but uh, it seems like Trump is in trouble, and it seems like Mitch McConnell will continue to stifle uh, Democratic work in order to progress uh, Republican power, which to me is that idea that we could be moving into an autocracy because Republicans are so focused on that right now. And uh, we got to prepare on it. We got to expect it, and we got to fight back when necessary. So, with that being said, 
I bid you adieu and wish you the best.